everybody, and welcome to First and Goal, the hardest-hitting upcoming ACC and SEC football podcast on the internet today. It is Tuesday, May 17th in the year 2022, and today we are going to be discussing the Duke Blue Devils. Who? Duke. Who? Duke. You know, Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem. The basketball school. Oh, 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 the Blue Devils. Yeah, man, yeah, the Blue Devils. Well, I'm telling you what, though, I don't think after uh, this new coaching hire with uh, Elko, but I don't think that it is going to be a boo devil sort of thing going on now. That's right. That's right. And if y'all haven't figured it out yet, joining me as always is my co-host, the one and only Big Rob. He was a little antsy there. Just wanted to go <laughs> ahead and jump on in and sing. But uh, yeah, guys, I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and face facts, y'all. I've ragged Duke in the past. I've given them a little bit of hell since we've been getting to know each other here on this podcast. Y'all probably said, damn, he doesn't like Duke. He's always hating on them. It's calling them the Boo Devils, calling them Duke Nukem, calling them a basketball school, which, I mean, let's call it what it is. They were, they are, still are a bit of a basketball school. When you talk basketball, if you don't think of Duke, do you really know anything about college basketball? I mean, let's just say you just talking to somebody regularly about just Duke in general. What's the first thing you think of? Basketball. Coach K. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, facts are facts, man. They have all their natties in basketball. I don't know that they've ever won a, a natty with football. I mean, you know, they you know they play some good baseball and things like that, man, but they've never really been known for football too awful much. No, they haven't. They have competed in the past with Macy. I think they have won a ACC championship in the past. I believe well, Steve Spurrier won one there. Yeah. But um, they've also competed in champ- ACC championships within the last decade. Mm-hmm. They've had some good years, but they've had a lot of bad years. But let's just take a moment here, and let's just talk about the elephant in the room. Yeah. Duke might be pretty fucking good. <laughs> They might be pretty freaking good. Like, they might not be bad. They they might be the black horse in the AC. I would, I I'm not even going to call them a black horse. I think they are going to be a contender this year. I think they're going to be a force to be reckoned with in that coastal division. I mean, there's a lot of rebuilding schools. There's a lot of uncertainties, and Duke's one of them. But I got to tell you what, man, bringing in a – coordinator from a prestigious program like Texas A&M, Mike Elko, and he's mm-hmm. got got history at Notre Dame, got history at Wake Forest, Texas A&M, won a title at Penn back in the day. Mm-hmm. Got a lot of history. and I mean, everywhere he's been, he's been a proven winner. Just very, very high football IQ, really mm-hmm. smart guy, knows his football. I'm going to tell you what, man, I think – Duke's got a slam dunk hired. You know, I believe they really have found their guy. I do. I, I, I really do as well. I, mean, I don't think there is very many coaches out there that they could have hired that would have been as good of a hire as what Mike Elko was. The years of experience that he brings into this program, I mean, just seeing this guy walk into a room, the way he carries himself, that he's got head coach written all over him. He really does. And then once you start talking, hearing him talk about football, you know, the X's and the O's and his plan on bringing Duke back to glory, man. I mean, I was bought in within two minutes. 
Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, that was one of the biggest things I noticed when they hired him. His introductory, introductory, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Get that tongue in His introductory press conference, he had, I mean, he came right out the rip, and they're asking him, um, well, how are you going to try to sell these kids on thinking Duke's a better program? How are you going to try to get kids bought in? What are you going to do with this, that, and the third? And he said, if I said, listen, he said, the only thing we're worried about right now is the now. He said, we're going to worry about the only things we can control. We can't worry about what happened last year and the year before that and the year before that and the decade before that and mm-hmm. the half century before that. And you can't worry about the future, man. You have to live in the now. That's exactly right. You can only worry about things you can control. But he said, finally, he said, man, he said, we have everything we need here to be a title contending football program, compete for ACC championships. He said, this is a championship, ACC championship level program here. He said, there's no reason why they can't at least compete for that coastal division every single year. And I mean, they even asked me, they said, well, do you compare this to be very similar to Wake Forest, which was a which is known for its development abilities of players, just recruiting very low star players and developing in developing them into big time playmakers. And he actually took offense to that. He said yeah. he said, No, we're we're not gonna compare this to that other school I was at. He said, This is not a developmental school. He said, This school here can go out and compete with the very best in the nation in the recruiting game. He said, We can go out. And recruit and bring in some of the best players in the nation. There's no reason why we can't, he said. And one thing that's for sure is, and he's right, he said, there's no program in college football that can compete with them when it comes to having that stability, I guess you'd say, between excellence and academics and also athletics. Yeah, your football program hasn't been great in recent years. But the basketball program, great year in, year out. Baseball team looks good on a regular basis. Football program has shown on some brilliance. Mm-hmm. But academics-wise, this is one of the best schools in the entire nation to get a degree from. That's exactly right. I mean, if I'm hiring somebody for a job, and they got a degree from Alabama, and they got a degree from Duke, And they got the same amount of experience. I mean, I might have to go with Duke just because yeah. I got to go for who's got the better known reputation. Yeah. As far as the education level. I mean, as far as academics go, man, there's not very many more prestigious schools than what Duke is as far as academics go. Exactly. Especially schools also have national championships in their athletic department. Absolutely. Not necessarily football, but I think Mike said, he says that now it's time to get this football program on board with the basketball. Mm -hmm. It's time to bring this football program where it needs to be Mm -hmm. to match. It's time for Duke football. And I just, I don't know, just everything he says, you just, you can't help but buy into it because you just look at him and he's not saying this. The thing that bothered me was Tony Elliott Mm -hmm. and Mark Knoll down there in Florida State is when they talk, you just look at them in the face. You look at them in their interviews, and it's like they're trying to kind of remind you of a used car salesman, so to say. They're trying to convince me something 
that I'm just not so sure of. They're trying to convince you something something that they don't believe in themselves. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's just it seems like more of a sales pitch than a... Well, it it seems like, especially in Tony Elliott's situation, it seemed like everything was rehearsed. Exactly, I came off of a script. Mm -hmm. Or with Elko, it's like everything seems very much shoot from the hip, coming from the heart, and I mean... He's got that conviction, man. Like yeah, he really does. He man. believes every word he's saying. You can tell. Like he's he's a no bullshit kind of guy. When you listen to somebody talk, man, you can always pretty much tell when somebody's lying to you about whether they're looking straight at you or if their voice goes up goes up and down, uh, or you know they just. You can always tell conviction. In somebody's voice whenever they're talking about it. I mean, you can always pick out a BS story, no matter what. And with Elko, man, he's just straight to the point. He's straight in your face. He doesn't waver. He does not waver his story. I mean, he doesn't change with what he believes in, what he talks about. Well, I'm just excited for him. Oh, I am too, man. I'm telling you, I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the program. I'm excited for the community. And the way that they're already dedicating themselves and taking it as a major priority to get the fans back involved in Duke football and get the fans in the stadium. I mean, right off the rip, his introduction of press conference, he was challenging the fans saying, listen, right now, I'm telling you flat out, you cannot have a championship program. You cannot have a contending program if you do not have the fans in the stands to back them up. Yeah, that's that's a hundred percent right, man. I mean, you can't have any fans, or you just you can't have a good following when the fans just aren't backing you up. Exactly, man. You got to have that culture in that state. He said, "Like, so we got to have y'all there." They already um, have come up with some social media accounts, mm-hmm. getting the fans involved. They've had the players going to the school carrying signs and stuff, challenging the fans, challenging the students to come out to the games. I seen clips on Instagram and Twitter mm-hmm. where um I'm trying to think of the wide receivers and their, their star wide receiver was literally carrying picket signs mm-hmm. advertising at the campus, the spring game, and all telling fans to come out, giving out free t shirts, all kinds of stuff. Had pregame festivities on the field to get people out there. And they had one of the biggest crowds they've had in a long time in the spring it's- game. I think it was over 5,000, if I'm not mistaken. Exactly. And, I mean, before you guys jump to any conclusions, let me explain something to y'all. 5,000 might not seem like a lot to a Virginia Tech or a Clemson or my – well, hell, I don't know, Miami's kind <laughs> South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina, Alabama, Georgia. It might not seem like a lot some of these really big programs. But we're talking about Duke. Duke's program's been down for a while, and their student – Following's gotten out. The local fan base has kind of gotten out of it a little bit. Well, let's be real here. The coach last season in a press conference said if they won three games, they did something. If they won three to four games in a year, they've done their job. Yep. Where's he at now? (laughs) At unemployment office. Actually, I think the SEC hired him as an employment or something. Oh, hell. Yeah. Something with football relations. I know that. Can't knock the guy. I mean, he did have some good years with Duke, but he just stayed way too, stayed too long. Stayed too long. We'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. He just got uh, complacent. 
But to have 5,000 fans at the stadium, what blew my mind was, even though it's only 5,000, you watch that spring game, you listen. The, that was 5,000 very passionate fans that were just oozing with excitement. Well, I mean, they were so loud, it made it seem like there was 10,000 people there in the stands, man. Hell, I mean, it seemed like 20. Yeah. You could hear them over the announcers at points. I said, yeah. I was amazed when I heard there was only 5,000. Yeah, for real, man. I mean, you look in the audience, and I mean, it, it rivals some of the other spring games that we saw this year. I mean, look at Pitt's spring game. That was rough. Yeah. Now, Virginia's spring game was it's pretty quiet. Pretty quiet. I mean, as far as loudness goes, I mean, Duke, Duke beat Virginia. I believe Duke beat Pitt. They beat a lot of schools as far as the, the volume goes in the fans. It really does. I can only think of three schools. Now, granted, I have to go back and watch Georgia. I still got to go back and watch Bama. But right now, I know three schools off the top of my head that's got to beat. I think the loudest one I've seen so far is probably Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech was wild. Lane Stadium was rocking. That was like a yeah. damn season opener, home it, game in the fall. It really was. Car- South Carolina, Williams Bryce. It was it was pretty good. Willie B was rocking. And Death Valley at Clemson was making a good bit of noise. Yeah. Not as much as they have been in the past, but they were still making some pretty good noise. Yeah. I was disappointed with LSU, though. Death Valley down there. Mm-hmm. Baton Rouge, that, that was kind of disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, for Duke, I've never known Duke to have loud stadiums. I've never known them to have a real much strong football culture. Yeah, it's always been basketball, man. You watch the basketball programs, it's just going off the rip. But as far as the football goes, man, it it's just rocking. It's rocking. It is, and you can feel the momentum in the air, really, with the program. You can feel the sails catching wind, if you will. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's really strange, y'all. I mean... I probably sound like a goof because I've given them so much hell, but I'm, I'm going to give credit where it's due. I'm telling you, I mean, we haven't even started talking about these players. I haven't really paid a whole lot of attention to Duke the last couple of years. I'll be honest with you. No, I haven't either. I really haven't either. I've watched some games, but I haven't really paid close attention to the games. It was always five, ten minutes in a game. You're like, okay, what the hell is this time out? Same, same. You know, the thing about it is, though, I haven't really paid much attention to Duke either. I always thought it was, you know, Duke was a joke of a program. Sorry, guys. But the thing about it is, man, when you watched Mike Elko's, you know, introductory interview, and then you watch his recruiting video as well, I mean, man, it's, 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 you can't help but to buy in. You really can't. You can always tell when it. Coaches bought into the school, and the coaches kind of not. Last year, we called it in the preseason. Dan Mullen, he was out. Fourth season even started, he was gone. He was already checked out. Well, he was checked out before the season ended before, talking about wanting to go to the NFL. Exactly. I mean, you can tell. Tony Elliott, he wants to, but he just he's in over his head right now, I think, at Virginia. I could be wrong. Wait a second half of that game, I could be very wrong. They could go out here and win nine games, but I don't like the vibes I get. Mike Norval, we ain't getting started on that. <laughs> that's a damn, I don't know what the hell's going on down there. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a cluster down there. Florida State. 
Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. But um, I just, I really, this really has Kentucky vibes to me. It has Stoops, Coach Mark Stoops and Kentucky vibes all over again to me. It really does. It's got a, it's got a surprise program written all over it. I mean, if you would have told me two years ago, Wake Forest would have been in running for an ACC championship three years ago, that Wake Forest would have been in the running for an ACC championship, I'd called you a liar. Because to me, they were right where Duke is right now. Losing only two games a year. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I mean, <clears throat> and really when Wake Forest started turning it around was when they got their new coach and they brought in Yeah, when they brought in uh, Mike Elko? Yeah, yeah, when they brought in Elko. The Wake Forest started turning around with it. They got a really good defense, had a good thing going down there. Then the offense kind of caught up with the defense. Mm-hmm. And now they got a really good thing going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, the thing is you've got to have at the helm somebody that believes in your program enough to be able to – Reflect that on to a young man to bring him in to make your program better. I mean, if, if you don't believe in your program, there ain't no, nobody else going to believe in it. It's, it starts from leadership. That's exactly right. <clears throat> i say another thing, too. I like the offensive coordinator he brought in to do the coach from Memphis. Mm-hmm. I like that. Absolutely, man. The, the coach from Memphis, he's, he's calling all the right <clears throat> plays, man. He's got... The thing that bugged me the most about Virginia, man, was some of the schemes that they drawed up. But everything I'm seeing with Duke's play calling right now, man, is on point. You don't have you don't have the bullshit. Let's just call it what it is: the bullshit plays that are drawn up for stupidness. I agree with that, and there ain't nothing wrong with drawing some plays, fun plays here to let players have fun and get a little excited. But at the same time. There's a lot of plays that made no sense down up there in that spring game. But what I loved about this, and one of the best things I can say about this, is I noticed during the spring game when I looked at the film and all, the offensive line looked really impressive to me. Yeah. They looked really impressive. There wasn't a whole lot of missed blocks. But I noticed their footwork just looked incredible. Yeah. So it got me curious. I started doing a little bit of digging. Throughout the whole spring practice, one of the biggest things they focused on from start to finish was footwork. Yeah. That was the biggest thing they worked on at Duke the entire time. Yeah, they got back to the basics. Yeah, they, they focused on footwork. And when they asked when they asked the coach about it, Elko, they said, um, if you don't mind us asking, we see these guys are really big, they're really physical, huge guys, and they are. They are enormous. Yeah. Huge offensive line Duke's got, but damn. He said, yeah, he said, you think with this big physical offensive line, we wouldn't have focus on it so much. But he said, but you know what? He said, what do you see when you look at Alabama? He said, what do you see when you look at Clemson? He said, some of these other schools. He said, they all have big offensive line. He said, so what we have to do is we have to master our craft and find ways to make our guys separate themselves from them. Mm-hmm. Got to make it better. He said this league is a lot more than just strength and size. Yeah, and he makes a valid point, man. I mean, 
you not only have to play the ACC teams, but you're going to also be dipping into the SEC teams at times too, and you know other other programs, especially when you get into the uh, the postseason, man, your bowl games, or you know even if by chance, you know by a long shot that you make the playoffs. That's right. That's right. I mean, that might be years down the road still. But hell, if you get to uh, if you're one game out from winning that coastal division. You're in that game. It's coming down to the very end. That offensive line is what's going to make or break you. Well, let's just put it this way, and I agree wholeheartedly with you there. You've got to win six games to go to a bowl game. Oh, absolutely. So you can win your out-of-division games. That would be three or four. You know, the, the most of them. Yeah, most of them. But then you've got your ACC schools, your Virginia Techs, your Miamis that you've got to play, which is hard. So when you come to a program like LSU and your offensive line is better trained than an LSU and you can win that game. Oh, that's how, that's how you turn the whole name of the program around. That's how you get national attention. That's how you get a lot of these recruits out there get their eyes open. Am I saying Duke's going to go out there right now and beat LSU? I'm not saying that right now. No, Sarah. absolutely not. But I feel comfortable saying that this year here, if Duke popped up and beat a Virginia Cavalier, wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. If Duke beat a North Carolina Tar Heel, wouldn't surprise me. Mm-mm. Hell, they slipped up and beat Wake Forest. I'd be a little surprised, but at the same time, it wouldn't blow me away. It no. Would, it wouldn't be mind-boggling to me. No. If they beat Clemson. I'd be a little bit. I'd be a little bit surprised, but, but it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and that's what's so great about the ACC nowadays is they just keep. For a while, there was like Clemson stood out. Yeah, you just got every, stale, and then you had everybody else. Mm-hmm. And really, two years ago, Clemson was still good with Trevor Lawrence and all them. But in 2020, I noticed the ACC started to come alive a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, 2020, then last year, and going in this year, I mean, ACC just, it looks like anybody's conference on both sides. It's anybody's game. It's absolutely, man. It just seems like there's constant turnover as far as the teams to beat in the ACC nowadays. It's not just getting still with just a Clemson on top and then, you know, everybody else playing second fiddle. It's, It's anybody's game. Well, it used to always be Clemson, and then for a long time there was North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Then there was Clemson and Virginia Tech, or Florida State, Virginia Tech. Then two years ago, you had Miami pop up 2020. Had a hell of a season out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Then last year, Miami was decent, but they fell off pretty significantly. But all of a sudden, boom, here's Wake Forest having a hellacious year. Here's Pittsburgh having a hellacious year. NC State. <laughs> NC State. It's like, where in the hell are these guys coming from? Virginia last year with Bronco. I mean, there's just so much talent. Just, yeah. It's a really, really interesting and fun league. It really is, man. And, you know, we've mentioned it three or four times before, but we both thought of an ACC just as, you know, little brother, say, to the SEC. But I'm telling you what, I'm enjoying the ACC games more right now than what I am SEC games. There's a lot of ACC games that – if you just want to watch random football, you're not pulling for any specific team. You just want to watch a good football game. 
ACC is a hell of a conference to watch. It really is. The SEC, I love it. But I don't know, man. The last year or two, the SEC's kind of gotten almost like an NFL vibe to it. An NFL vibe and got a little bit stale. A little bit. A little bit stale. I mean, you don't really have the the surprise teams. I mean, you've got some of those that may jump up and bite somebody, but there's not really a surprise team in the SEC right now. Well, I mean, the SEC, let's, let's look at it like this. SEC West, you got Bama. Mm-hmm. Now, it's starting this year here. It's a little interesting coming in this year because Arkansas is starting to pick it up. They've been picking it up with last year, too. Arkansas is looking kind of hot. Mm-hmm. LSU with a new coach, they might shake things up a little bit. Texas A&M, I don't know if they're up, they're down, or what. <laughs> now, the East this year, it looks a little interesting because Georgia's lost so many guys. Yep. You got your South Carolina there. You gotcha. never know they could pull off an upset. Yep. You got Florida. That's an interesting one. Kentucky. Kentucky. Kentucky looks good. Tennessee. And Tennessee looks damn good. I mean, Georgia, Kentucky, Tennessee. I mean, it could be very interesting this year, but you still got your Vanderbilt. You still got your bottom tier colleges. You just know we ain't going to look for much. No. We're in the ACC. I mean, who do you really have? At this very moment, that you just are completely not bought in on at all. I don't really have a team that I'm not that I don't think could be a surprise. That's going to be. I, I can't say. I can't call the team out to be a bottom brother. No, no, they all could up and beat any other team any day. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, I mean, this is the hardest year I've ever seen for the ACC to really call out who I think would win it, who I think is going to be up there to win it, or who's going to be at the bottom. Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's interesting. you got playmakers everywhere. I mean, let's get back to spring game. Let's talk yeah. about some of these playmakers in the Duke spring game. Okay, I mean, right now you got a quarterback competition going on at Duke. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, both of these guys showed up to the spring game and just showed out. Yeah, both sophomores. You've got Mr. Jordan Moore. He's a sophomore. He went 9 for 24, 97 yards passing with two touchdowns. He uh, dual-threat quarterback, too. He ran it 12 times for 91 yards, and he threw one interception. Exactly. And, see, you look at that 9 of 24, yeah, his – his passing stats wasn't the best in the world. He doesn't have a strong arm. He still has a pretty good arm. I'm not saying yeah. it's a weak arm by no means. He threw some really nice balls out there. Yeah. He had a few drops, but he does have some developing to do as far as being a passer when it comes to reading the coverages, knowing when to throw the ball away, when yeah. to hold on to it. Yeah, it just seems like when he gets a rush in his face, he panics. He's a little bit of a panicker. Yeah, he had that one extremely ugly interception <laughs> there, but he bounced back nicely from it. I would like to see him hold on to the ball a little bit longer in the backfield, even when he's scrambling. Create a little bit of time, but keep your eyes downfield for a receiver instead of getting the Florida State symptoms, I guess you could call it, <laughs> yeah. from Jordan Travis yeah. and just wanting to instantly tuck it and run every single time. Yeah, you got to trust your teammates. Exactly. Although the so many drops, man, I, I almost can't blame them for not trusting at that point. There's a lot of drops, but then 
you, you say the draws, but then you look at the other sophomore, Mr. Riley Leonard, mm-hmm. came out, went 17 of 27 through there for 246 mm-hmm. and a touchdown. He did have one pick on the night, but I mean, man, he was slinging the ball. He looked very good. Yeah, he was almost like a sniper out there with that football. Almost pinpoint accuracy. That's exactly right. I mean, 17 of 27, when we say there was 10 incomplete passes, I'm not saying he was overthrowing them, throwing bad passes at the time. There was numerous drops. Mm-hmm. Or just, you know, the, the DBs were breaking up the pass. That's right, but they were all catching him. Yeah, he didn't have no real bad place with balls that I seen. Even the one that was picked off, I mean, it was literally off the receiver's hands and the defender caught it. I mean, he looked a lot more like your prototypical pro-style quarterback. Yep. But believe it or not, he is also a dual-threat quarterback if you look him up. Yeah. Very quick, got good feet, very elusive in the pocket. That's what I like about him is he actually yeah. – The dink and dunking that he was doing in the pocket to avoid – that's right. It's kind of funny because uh, you listen to Elko talk about it, and I have to agree at 100%. He said, both quarterbacks don't get near the credit they should. He said, Moore doesn't get near the credit he deserves for being a passer. He doesn't get near the credit he deserves for the arm he has and the ball placement he puts out there. But at the same time, Riley Leonard doesn't get near the credit he deserves for his athleticism and his ability to run the ball. Right. But, I mean, both quarterbacks put on a hell of a show. and you got to believe if you're Mike Elko, really, you can feel comfortable with either one of these guys going into the season. Me, personally, I would have to lean a little bit towards Riley just because of the fact that the last two years, the biggest thing that's killed Duke has been turnovers. Yeah. So you're going to want somebody that can protect that football for you a little bit. Well, here's the thing. Like I said, it does look like, to me, he had more of an accuracy. It seemed like he had a better arm. And he could he could move the ball down the field in a hurry. Whereas with Jordan Moore, he seemed to be more of a, a dink and dunk style quarterback. He wasn't looking for a long throw. He would drop it off to a run back, which is no problem with that. You're getting yardage. But when you need to move the ball, I mean, I would go with Leonard, to be perfectly honest. I would just have to go to, with him more of a standpoint of protecting the ball more than anything, just because you want someone that can be good with the coverage. But at the same time, I would have to still put more in and let him get some reps in yeah. the game and come up with packages of him both throwing the ball and running it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, they say if you don't have a number one quarterback, you're playing dual quarterbacks, you do not have a quarterback. But when you've got two quarterbacks that are talented in what they do, I mean, there is there is a – I love it when people say that you can't have a two-quarterback system. Because every time they say that, I say, okay, so um, how did that work out for the 2006 Florida Gators? Yeah. With Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. Yeah. Please tell me. I, I would love to know. How to work with uh, LSU back in the day was, oh, um, oh, what the hell's his name? He was a damn bust from hell in the NFL, went to the Raiders. Oh, you're talking about uh, Carr? No, not Carr, not Carr. Carr's still there. Carr's good. Carr ain't no bust. His brother. 
Oh, you talking about David? Yeah. David Carr. David Carr went to Texans. That's right. I'm trying to think of the quarterback's name. Well, while he's thinking about that, I mean, we can also talk about, you know, the, the South Carolina teams with Spurrier. He always played – he always had two quarterbacks going. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it was bad. Well, yeah. All depending on the talent that was there. But, you know, at the same time, man, like I was just – like I was saying, though, it doesn't matter. If the talent is there, if you have if you have two quarterbacks or you just have one quarterback. Jamarcus Russell. There you go. It was him and another quarterback at LSU, and I mean, both. They were great. They were phenomenal that year. Mm-hmm. I think they won Natty that year. I think Pretty so. damn certain. I think so. Two quarterback system ain't always bad. No. It's, a, it's bad when you have one decent quarterback and then the other quarterback's not that good. But in this instance, man, both quarterbacks are, are, are pretty good. You know, they they can move the ball. They really can. One has a better arm than the other. But, you know, at the same time, watch out for both of these quarterbacks. I'm just going to put it that way. That's exactly right. And both of these quarterbacks are also very good friends off the field. Yeah. Very close friends. So they say this competition has been a very healthy competition. There's been no animosity, and these guys have just had fun with it, embrace it, and actually challenged each other. So it might be a way to get the best out of both of them, really. Absolutely. And the thing that I love the most about what I saw with the spring game, you did not see nobody moping on the sideline. Everybody had a hunger, had a fight in their eye. They were playing for the game, there was no, there was no pouting. Nobody pouted. That's right. That's right. And another thing I love about spring game too is whether it was picks or any time it was a bad play, the quarterbacks went over to the coordinators. You seen them go over there, mm-hmm. and instead of walking off or trying to go somewhere, the coordinator having to track them down, they went straight to the coordinator. Took their helmet off and just sat there, and you see him with a smile on her face, just sitting there saying, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, listening to everything he had to say and trying to learn. Mm-hmm. Where in some other instances, we've seen players go off the field, roll their eyes, walk away, just nod their head, not care. Mm-hmm. This is a very good sign and an exciting sign if you're a Duke Blue Devil fan because mm-hmm. this is the kind of stuff you see when you have players who are truly bought in, yeah. if you will, to your program. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you could clearly see, if, if you can read lips, you could clear, clearly see them once they walked over to the bench, started talking to the OC or quarterback coach or whatever. What could I have done better? Yeah. What did I do wrong? You see, a few times they said, I'm not sure about this. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a lot of questions, and that's a great thing when your quarterback is asking questions, wanting confirmation from the coach. Especially a young guy like that, just sophomores. Exactly. So. That's another thing that I found to be very positive, very exciting for Duke. Mm-hmm. Stuff I hadn't seen in the past. And then you look in the rushing game. I mean, you got flashes coming from there. You got true freshman running back Terry Moore mm-hmm. coming in there, sixty-six yards on twelve carries with a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, and I believe this year it's going to be running back by committee. After that. Phenomenal run back they've had the last couple of years. He's off to the NFL now. Mateo Durant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe it's going to be back to a more of a running back cop by committee with them. I mean, hell, Duke's always been more of a committee-style running back team 
until they happen to him. Yeah, they've got five running backs right now, all vying for playing time. Two of them are freshmen, like you said, Terry Moore. The other one's Eric Weatherly. But they've got Jalen Coleman, Jaquez Moore, and Jordan Waters also competing <laughs> to the position. From what I've seen, that running game behind those offensive linemen, man, I mean, it's, that's going to be dangerous too. Yeah, Jaquez Moore, he had a real nice run out there for 28 yards for that touchdown. Yeah. I mean, it's just – it's a real 180. Oh, yeah. It's a complete 180. I'm, I don't recall ever seeing Duke really play. I've seen it before, but it's been years. Mm-hmm. But where Duke's really come out with this kind of chip on their shoulder and playing physical football, I mean, they look like a football team. They look physical. They look hungry. To be honest with you, as far as the physicality goes, they remind me of a Big Ten school as far as physicality goes. I mean, it depends on which big team school you're talking about. I mean, if you're talking about Penn State, yeah, that's pretty physical. If Penn talking, State, Michigan. Yeah. Now, if you say Ohio State, they're not they're not that physical. Yeah. They're kind of oh, wimpy, wimpy. Yeah, yeah. They, they've got that way. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> got to give you hell, man. Got to give know, you hell. But it just it really impressed me. And then also, I think the defense played very well. Because when you watch a spring game, you got to watch it with an open mind. See, a, lot, a, a big issue is a lot of people who go out there and they'll say, all right, the offense scored. Then you got the other half of the people, oh, no, the offense scored. Defense must suck. Everybody says, well, if the offense is scoring, the defense is really bad. If the defense does good, well, they say, well, the offense is terrible. You got to come into this with an open mind. You got to look at each position, study each position as the game goes on. You might have to watch it two times, three times. Yeah. But all in all, I seen improvement across the board with this team. Really, every single position. Hell, special teams kicker came out. I was kicking some real nice field goals. Yeah. Very impressive, but uh, I mean the defense, the B line looked really good, really solid. Is this the defense you've seen in the past where they're going to be steady getting sacks in a sack machine? No. But that's not a bad thing. Because, see, a lot of times when you get a defense, you got a player that's just steady getting all these sacks. Everybody thinks it's great, but that's also always the defense that gives up big plays. You know why? Because when you got a defensive end going for sacks every play, who's containing the edge? Exactly. You give up a ton of big plays. I'm not impressed by a ton of sacks. Show me that you can contain the edge when they're doing the pass play. You can get back there. You can rush the passer. Then you can get to the quarterback. That's great. But if you're biting every play, that's not good. And this defensive line, from that standpoint, seemed to be very conservative and aggressive at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. They fired off the ball very well. They filled their gaps. But at the same time, they didn't blow upfield. They all did their job. That's right. They, they all had an assignment, and they followed the assignment. There was no hero bullshit. Exactly, and, and the result of that is your sophomore linebacker, Trey Freeman, led the defense on the day with nine tackles, a pick, another breakup also. Mm-hmm. When your linebacker leads the team in tackles, that's a great sign because that means the D-line's filling their gaps, which opens up the holes for the linebacker to be able to read the play and attack. Mm-hmm. That's what you really want. So, 
as long as you keep an open mind with it, it looks really good. Yeah, you gave up some passes over the top. You had a few issues in coverage. But, hell, you just lost 11 players in your secondary. Right. You literally lost the whole defensive side of the football just <laughs> in secondary players. Yeah, man. It, the great thing about spring ball is everybody gets a chance to earn their position. Following your keys, playing good ball is going to get you. You're going to get up, end up rewarded with some type of playing time. You know it, and to be able to lose all of your secondary like that, eleven people like Tim just said. Of course, you're going to get beat over the top. You're you're hurting for you know, playing time, previous playing time, but you're learning as you go, as you can see plainly in the stats. Exactly. I mean, <clears throat> I think all in all, you got a very good thing going here, a very exciting thing. I just, I cannot wait for September 2nd, that season opener against Temple. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to see this product hit the field. Absolutely, man. I mean, this is truly exciting for me. And you can you could just tell with their just their body language, man. They're chopping at the bit. They can't wait either. No, sir, they can't. So I don't know, with all that being said, man, you got anything you want to add? No, or? sir, I'm good to go. I believe we covered all our bases today. I believe we did. Well with all that being said, I think we're gonna wrap this up. Also, I want to take a quick moment and say that um, I appreciate those out there listening to us who cooperated with us on social media. We had a little poll. We figured we'd throw it out there just for the hell of us to see what we thought the difference would be in Duke and Mike Elko. What might be a way too early win-loss projection with them. Absolutely. Win projection. And so far, we got, what, a three-way tie? It's a three-way tie. So... I appreciate everybody cooperating that. I'm looking forward to seeing the results on that thing. We'll probably give it another day or two. Yeah, absolutely. We'll give the results of that on the next podcast, let you know where it stands. and Take it from there. That's right. Well, till then, thank you all. Be sure to hit that follow button, subscribe, yeah. share it with your friends, download. Yeah, if you like us, chances are your friends are going to like us too. That's right. But till then, I just want y'all to... Keep those drinks cold and keep them chains moving. Let's get it.